right, we are uh, in a series, and this is the second to the last in this series, on uh, the matter of making the right choices. And our choices are really steps of faith or unbelief. We have a will, and God gives us, uh, made in the image of God, the right uh, and the responsibility to make the right choices. And when we make a choice based upon God's Word, dependent upon the Lord, that's a step of faith that will, um, that will be blessed of God and alters the direction of our lives. Um, let me just say that many people just find themselves living in a victim mentality, that things just have happened... And let me just tell you, bad things happen to everybody, okay? Life is not easy. Really, one of the life-changing perspectives that we can have is when we understand that our life and its future is based upon choices about whether we're going to believe God or not. And if we will believe God, even the hardest things, we become victors instead of victims. So this matter of choosing correctly... Um, helps you go against the, the downward tendency in our lives and be able to move upward uh, and forward uh, in the will of God. So uh, we've really got to not be passive because if you're passive, you're going to go downstream. You're just going to go the wrong direction. You've got to be making active choices but depending upon the power of God to be able to do that. So we've looked at lots and lots of choices over these last couple of months. And our second to last topic that is in this book by Terry Chappell is choose to speak wisely, understanding the power of the tongue, choosing to speak uh, wisely. Now, as you well know, ladies are given a bad rap on this matter of talking, okay? That's uh, all kinds of jokes. In fact, she lists all kinds of sayings from all kinds of cultures about uh, a woman's tongue. And, uh, and I won't read those, but um, well, I like Japanese. Where there are women and geese, there is noise. <laughs> That's not fair. In fact, science tells us, of course, I don't know science anymore. I don't know whether I trust that or not. But anyway, research tells us that... Uh, Men and women speak the same amount of words every week. Uh, just that maybe they're spoken a little bit differently, but so that is actually a misnomer. And we speak uh, roughly 16,000 words per day. And if you were to add that up over a week, you would have spoken enough words to write a 500-page book. And if you've ever read a 500-page book, that's a long book. It's a big one. And so that's how much we communicate. And communication is very important. In fact, everything about our life is based upon what we hear and what we say. We solve problems. We have our roles uh, in our life. Uh, they are handled by how we communicate. So it is a very important part of our life, but it must be under the control of the Spirit and we need to understand the significant influence that our tongue has. Psalm 19, 14, David prayed, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. 
And so this uh, chapter is about using our tongue and what we say and how we say it. Uh, both of those are extremely important. Words often are a, an expression of our emotion and can stimulate emotion. It can be a balm or a bomb, right? It can have explosive power. A positive word makes you feel good. A ne negative word leaves you feeling depressed and defeated. Words can make us laugh, make us cry, make us happy, make us angry. Words can affect our thoughts, our emotions, our memories, our images, fears, anxiety, and actions. And so uh, we need to realize that a good word will build up and strengthen and encourage, but a careless word can tear down homes, break hearts, wreck reputations as they wound and destroy. Now, one of the things you will note in the, the passages that have application, that there are many, many, many verses about the tongue. And when you see the volume of us inspired scripture about what we say, you realize this is very important to God. It's not a small matter. It's not a side issue. You know, a lot of people who are believers will think because they're really not doing too badly in the bad areas of life, <clears throat> that they're, they're a pretty good Christian. Well, of course, we're never a pretty good Christian unless the Spirit of God's in control. But one of the sins that is often overlooked that has great damage is the power of the tongue. And so uh, let's look at that here today. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And James uh, chapter 3 deals very strongly with the power of the tongue. Verse 5 says, Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. Uh, the author here is from California, and one of the great things out, out west that they fear are fires. And uh, there's a lot in the drought that's going on now with Yosemite National Park and the towns around it. Some pretty major devastation. And that's the picture that the Lord uses in this matter of the influence of the tongue. But let's go to the positive side first, okay? Because our tongue is given by God. We're created to communicate. See, God, God has created us to communicate with Him. The tongue is something that is part of the beautiful part of how we're made. Uh, though there is basic primitive communication among the animal world, human beings are able to communicate their soul their, out of their spirit, and there, can, there is a deep unity that can come, a great uh, blessing, and we are made to communicate with God and God to communicate with us. And when our tongue is used properly, it is a glorious, wonderful instrument of God. There's nothing better. Uh, than for the tongue to be used by God to meet the needs of other people. <clears throat> Proverbs 15, 23, A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. And every one of us have been blessed by the right word to us at the right time, haven't you? I certainly have, and you appreciate so much that. So let me just give you some of the categories. We're going to, I'm going to quote a lot of scripture here. You can jot some of these down. <clears throat> but as you're going to see, 
Um, this matter of the tongue is just mentioned over and over and over. <clears throat> Excuse me. Positive, spirit-empowered words give instruction and wisdom. Proverbs 1.8, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. For children, the teaching of a parent is a protection. I thank God for the teaching of my parents. Um, Proverbs 10.31, The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the froward tongue shall soon be cut out. <laughs> Proverbs 15.2, The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Proverbs 16.23, The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and addeth learning to his lips. So, our tongue is to instruct others, especially when we have responsibility as parents or in ministry. You take, for instance, a person is led to Christ. Is the power of the tongue in giving the gospel a pretty wonderful thing? A wonderful thing? Absolutely. There's nothing more glorious than the mouth of someone who is giving the gospel. And then when somebody's saved, the communication that comes in one-on-one -on -one discipleship, it changes lives. There's nothing more glorious than that. And you could go on and on about how wonderful the tongue is. It gives direction. Proverbs 19.20, Hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in the latter end. Oh, even in, aren't you glad for the, the right kind of education you may have received, the warnings you received, the direction that you have gotten? Makes a lot of difference. Proverbs 27, 9, ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So does the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. Clear direction. Sometimes it may be, it's not the easiest to hear, but how appreciative we are for godly counsel. Positive words will praise the Lord and cause people to look to the Lord. Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I mean, regularly you ought to be just praising God legitimately uh, as you rejoice in Him. Psalm 51, 15, O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Positive words encourage others. We all love Proverbs 25, 11, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Proverbs 15, 23, a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good is it? Isaiah 50, verse 4, the Lord God hath given me a, the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. You can change the direction of a person's life by a kind word, an encouraging word, a, uh, a direct word. And a, just a wonderful, uh, um, excuse me here, sorry about that, <laughs> but uh, we, uh, it's just amazing how things can change just in a moment when somebody shows kindness, corrects thinking, solves a problem, gives direction that's needed. Um, it's wonderful. Positive words are pleasant and appropriate. The lips, uh, Proverbs 10, 32, The lips of a righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked speaketh frowardness. And then Proverbs 15, 26, The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the uh, pure are pleasant words. Proverbs 16, 24, 
Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Proverbs 31, 26, she openeth her mouth, this is speaking of the virtuous woman, with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. Now, I'm just going on and on about all these different verses, but I'm reading them because I want you to see the volume of Scripture that directly deals with this. So, the tongue can really be used positively, can it? In fact, we're all here because somebody used their tongue positively to draw us to the Lord, right? None of us just found completely our own way without some influence of somebody speaking to us. And so it is the, in fact, you know, the tongue becomes an, the oracle of God. It becomes the very breath of God. It is the communication of God. Don't you want to be known as that? When that lady speaks, when that man speaks, oh, you can just feel the Lord's presence. That is the testimony, honestly, that we ought to have. Positive words facilitate healing. And how many times healing is needed in a person's life? Proverbs 10:11. The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life, but violence covereth the mouths of the wicked. Proverbs 15:4. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Proverbs 12:18. There is that speaketh like the piercings of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. And you know, a lot of even our health problems come because of the real discouragements and pressures that we have in our life. And when someone is able to help us, they actually do help us with our health all the way around. It's amazing uh, how powerful that is. And it brings security and truth. Uh, it, we learn, uh, people uh, learn their security in the Lord. Proverbs 22, 20 have not I written to thee excellent things and counsels and knowledge that I might make, know, make thee know the certainty of the words of truth, that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. Well, I could go on and on. The power of the tongue positively is a glorious thing. That's why when we get to the negative side, it's that much more of a sad thing. Because that which is to be used for good, when used for evil is a tragedy. Now, <clears throat> who lies? Who's the father of lies? Who is the slanderer, ultimately? Satan. Now, I want you to get this. This has really helped me over the years. When I speak good words because God's working in my heart, I'm a mouthpiece for deity. When I speak according to the flesh, Satan, the ugly Liar and murderer actually uses the tongue that God gave me to be an oracle of God. Pretty serious contrast, isn't it? Christians honestly can become the mouthpiece of Satan. They really can be. And they can wreck their families. In fact, isn't there a higher expectation for a Christian to have a godly tongue than just the world is sort of... You know, dog eat dog. I mean, you expect that. Those of you that are in the business world, you know what it's like. Oh, it's amazing. I'll go in to do business somewhere, and inevitably, I hate to say it, it's usually two ladies, but they're just going after somebody. You know, I'm thinking, oh, at the hospital, wherever you're at. And you think, oh, man. But that's the world. We understand that. Christians, we ought to be the opposite. That, ought, that just ought not happen. 
And so it's, we, that's why the contrast. So now we have to go to the destructive influence. The little chant in the school playground is not true. You know what chant I'm talking about? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Not true. <clears throat> not true. Sticks and stones hurt less than words do. But, you know, trying to be tough. Most encouraging words I've ever heard are from Christian people. The most hurtful words I've ever heard are from Christian people. Because they're Christians. Because they're Christians. And so, as Proverbs 13, 3 says, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. And so this is always a, a, a reality that we have to face. So let's look at what kind of words do cause this kind of destruction. First of all, idle words. The word idle in the Greek means lazy, free from work. That means that words that just aren't thought through to produce anything that is good. And God, you know, sometimes we just talk. Whenever you find you're just, yourself just saying something to say something, probably keep your mouth shut. Uh, because mindless words normally are not on the spirit-empowered positive side. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think we need to be wise on that. Matthew 12, 36, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, wow, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Proverbs 26, 20, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceases. We keep our tongues like there should be. There's no strife in marriage. There's no strife in families. There's no strife anywhere. Proverbs 14.7 14, Go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. Have you ever noticed when the world's partying and you have... Uh, um, and you just, uh, you have that kind of uh, situation going on. You have raucous talk, silly talk, jokes that they think are funny when they're, un when they're intoxicated aren't funny at all, or they're crude. I mean, that's what happens. The tongue just reveals the heart. And idle words, we've got to be careful about that. Um, be, be purposeful when you talk. Angry words. Um, Angry words, of course, are something we think about as far as a negative influence, but angry words can really cause a reaction in somebody's life. And even if the words aren't said with venom and volume, the body language going with it also communicates. That's really part of the tongue. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Now, ladies, let me say, God wants us to communicate to solve problems. And I always encourage married couples, do not let the sun go down your wrath. But speaking, solving problems during the day doesn't mean you speak when you're angry. You need to get right with God get the thing in proportion, have a forgiving heart, and then think about how that can be used to edification, as Ephesians chapter 4 um, says, that we should have no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, 
that it may minister grace to the hearer. And so um, we have to be careful in trying to solve problems that we do it from a self, if we do it from a selfish way, we'll stir up anger. But we do have to communicate. You don't run from problems or the problem will increase. But you've got to learn how to have personal revival very quickly and have an edifying spirit that does not stir up anger. That's something vital to be learned. By the way, you can't have revival on the spot if you're not walking with God daily. If it's been three weeks since you met with the Lord, you're going to have a really hard time getting over your frustration and anger and irritation or whatever it is that's in your own heart because there's something that needs to be communicated. And so it's vital that uh, we do allow God to change our hearts. Proverbs 17, 14, the beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water. Therefore leave off contention before it be meddled with. Proverbs 20, verse 3, it is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. So never, 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 you got the idea. Um, should anything ever be said that you know is going to cause anger? It should never be said. No corrupt communication. I mean, you just don't say it, but you still got to communicate, but you got to communicate the right way. Insincere words. Words of praise and encouragement are helpful, but insincere words of flattery are hurtful. And oh, how easy that is. They feed pride in others. Or they are a manipulative tool. Be very careful to give praise rather than flattery. You need to be genuine. Because flattery is lying. It's false. It's disingenuous. So let me just say this. Once you detect somebody's a flatterer, do you trust them? Do they have influence in your life? Not unless you're just wanting to be flattered. I feel sorry for politicians. Uh -huh. Or people with a lot of money, you know, all that flattery, oh, you know, whatever they, is said, uh, that they know, they can look right through it and despise it almost. And uh, so we got to be very careful. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin, Proverbs 26, 28, 2 Peter 2, 3. And through covetousness shall they with feigned or hypocritical words make merchandise of you. And uh, that's uh, talking about the, the ungodly. Psalm 55, 21, the words of his mouth were smoother than butter. But war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil. Yet were they drawn swords. By the way, you need to be very honest and transparent with your children, but never hurtful. Uh, but your praise for them ought to be accurate and based upon a God-given vision, not just trying to make them feel better. Kids can pick it up. They know. They can see right through you. All right. Well, oftentimes when we think about negative words, the word gossip comes to mind. And gossip is a very major problem. And again, uh, as you look at Ephesians chapter 4, it's the progression from bitterness, which is that root in our heart where we blame someone else, all the way till, till you get actually violent. In the middle of that, the word slanderer is there, but that's actually the word gossip, saying things that uh, 
hurt someone else. It's the same word used of Satan. And so when we, by the way, gossip is when we say something negative about somebody else, true or not true, to someone that is neither part of the solution or part of the problem. There is no biblical reason to give that information. And I tell you, when you do that, you need to get right about that. Because that is, that is very much uh, dealt with by Scripture. We've heard a number of stories about uh, feathers being compared to gossip. Here's another one. A man in a small village had been found guilty of starting a malicious rumor about another man. The rumor wasn't not only untrue, but it really helped, dam I mean, it damaged the reputation of that man and the family. And uh, as often the custom was in the small village, the, the accused was taken before the chief of the village who served as a judge. And so as he heard the case, he realized this was true. And so his penalty was that he told the man he had to take a large bag of feathers and told him to place a feather on the doorstep of every person to whom he had told the rumor. The man was relieved at such a light punishment and quickly took a bag of feathers and set about the task. Four hours later, the man returned to the chief Four hours later, that was quite a rumor. Um, four hours later, he returned to the chief with the empty bag and said, I completed your task, sir. Is there anything else? Yes, the wise chief replied, report to me in the morning, and I'll give you the second half of your punishment. Early the next morning, the man found his way to the chief for the final part of his punishment. Gather all the feathers you have put out last afternoon and return them to the bag, the chief instructed. The man said, but sir, didn't you hear the storm that uh, raged through the village last night? Didn't you feel the force of the winds that blew? It'd be impossible to know where those feathers are now. And the wise old chief raised his index finger and pointed knowingly to the man. Now you see, my child, the damage you have done to another. For although you've told only a few lies here and there, the form of gossip took hold of those lies, spread them far beyond your grasp to undo them. You can regret what you said, but you can never fully undo what you've done. And that is really true. And do you realize that we have gossip today on steroids? Folks, think before you write. Think, pray, and most of the time you won't write if it's something about another person. I tell you, the ugly stuff that is on the Internet today about any facet of our society is amazing. And, um, and so verbally we have to be careful. It used to be what I'd talk about is, you remember the telephone? Yeah, a few of you remember the telephone. In fact, it's funny, I'll, every so often I'll tune into VCY and I'll have one of those old programs and you hear the dial phone, you know, da, 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 you know. I am, that's one thing I'm glad, that took forever. I remember when we finally got the, uh, the punch uh, uh, numbers in, uh, that was certainly a big help. And the cell phone is helpful, but I'm telling you the damage that is done. And uh, once it's put out there, phew, that's why be very careful about social media, because social media just has an unending, even texting and email, though it's directed, can be easily forwarded. And that's much safer, uh, but it's only, folks, remember, you only give a negative word about someone to someone else who is part of the God-given solution or part of 
the problem and you have the right to talk to them. Other than that, don't say it. So um, that is so important. Proverbs eleven thirteen: a talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Don't you appreciate people you can trust? That's not a very major <coughs> virtue today. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. Proverbs 16, 27, An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer, whisperer separateth chief friends. And the one that we all know, Proverbs 18, 8, The words of a talebearer are as wounds. And they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. And so this is one that, you know, the Lord sees it really. We talked about murder. The Lord applied it to those that say negative things about other people. Murdering somebody's reputation. Uh, demeaning them in the minds of other people. Uh, how careful we have to be. Then lying words. Isn't it tragic today how lying is acceptable? I think one of the sad things is we just don't trust much of what we hear uh, because they're just, you don't know whether they're telling you the truth or not. That's why we as believers need to be impeccable with the truth. Uh, wise, of course, but we need to be truthful. And uh, we're stealing from someone. In fact, um, this coming week as we're going through the Ten Commandments, I'm dealing with the ninth commandment uh, this coming Sunday night on uh, Thou Shalt Not Bear False Witness. And it's, a, and it's one of those basic core foundational um, precepts from God. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16. These six things does the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue. And hands that shed innocent blood. But it goes on. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Feet that be running in running to mischief. A false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among the brethren. Three of these six things deal with the tongue. Isn't that interesting? And God hates it. By the way, I always take a really long look whenever the Bible says God hates something or and it's an abomination to him. That's something I better take really, really, really seriously. Because those are carefully stated by the Holy Spirit throughout the Word of God. Well, here's one that we all fall into, murmuring and complaining. You know, uh, we can easily, how you doing? Oh, bad. I just don't, you know, whatever. And we can complain and murmur comes so easily. We complain about the weather, our schedules, lost opportunities, and yet when we don't have a spirit of faith and trust in the Lord and hope, uh, that really does dishonor the Lord. And complaining oftentimes can hurt other people. And uh, it's a form, frankly, of, uh, uh, of a division sometimes in people's lives. And when the people complain, it displeases the Lord, Numbers 11 one, Philippians 2.14, do all things without murmurings and disputings. 
And as I quoted Ephesians 4.29, Let no corrupt, nothing that tears down, communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You know, somebody ought to, when, when, after they're with you, they ought to be encouraged. Even if you have to give them legitimately some bad news, you ought to give hope with that bad news. Now, God's on the throne. God is working. We can trust Him. We don't have anything we should complain about. And I'm telling you, when you go through serious trials, you realize how vital it is that there is no murmuring or complaining because there you have to access the grace of God and really know that God is working and rejoice that we can trust Him even through the, the, the tears that are, are shed. It's very important. Christians should rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. Not down. Do not be the person that walks around with a cloud over your head raining when there's sunshine all around. Okay? Bring sunshine to people. Don't be the discourager. That is not what we ought to be. Whew, that's a lot of stuff, isn't it? And I've just touched on the subject. I've just followed, by the way, if you have the book, you'll find all that material right there as I gave it to you. And uh, so we need to realize, as James chapter 3 says, the tongue is a little member, but my, how it creates a fire. Uh, the, it's poison. It goes on very strongly. And what's the key about the tongue? Well, Luke 6.45 says, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. So is it the problem with this thing that flaps in our mouth? No. It's our heart problem that we're dealing with. If you're bitter... Frustrated, angry. By the way, bitterness is simply blaming somebody else rather than taking responsibility for your lack of uh, fulfillment in your life. Somebody may have hurt you, but you can, well, you can walk with God regardless of what people did. And when you're walking in the joy of the Lord, you're not trying to damage anybody else then. And so it's unsolved problems in our heart that cause the tongue to be loosed in the wrong way. And so we need to understand that. And it's very interesting, this verse is very instructive, probably could be one of the first verses written to New Testament believers. James 1.26, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion or worship of God is vain. That's a strong statement. If you don't control your tongue, I don't care what you're doing. Everything you're doing is empty. It's vain. So, how do we solve this? Well, we need to be honest. Search me, O God, and know my heart, as David said. We need to keep our heart, as Proverbs 4.23 says, with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The big key, folks, is to walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That means you want the best for others. Joy, peace, you're not unhappy. Long-suffering, you're not short-tempered. And on it goes. Gentleness, goodness, uh, those are very important uh, attributes as wanting the best for other people. Meekness, giving up your own rights. Temperance, under control. So the Spirit of God will keep the tongue.
And, uh, and so the Holy Spirit will control our tongue, as James 3.3 talks about. Psalm 141.3, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. And it's very interesting in the passage that I've alluded to about the tongue from Ephesians 4. Right there it says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. That's verse 29. So all of this is very, very important uh, to understand that the tongue isn't the problem. The heart's the problem. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We need to think on the things that are true, Philippians 4, 6. We need to... Uh, to keep our tongue. We need to choose our um, words carefully. She gives a little acrostic that she's heard. It's uh, think. Think. T-H-I-N-K. Is it true? Is it helpful? H. I. Is it inspiring? N. Is it necessary? K. Is it kind? So think. Is it true? H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? K, is it kind? And here's one final word of uh, counsel here. Listen more. Listen. And let God work in your heart before you speak. Be a good listener. Care. Want to, instead of trying to tell people what you think, See what's on their heart so that you can be a blessing. You can't minister grace if you don't know what grace is needed. So listen, listen, listen. James 1.19, let, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And I won't read all the verses, but in Proverbs there's several, several of them is if you don't flap your mouth, that's not the actual wording there, uh, you will be deemed wise. Ever seen people that are... Now, I'm not saying don't speak because you need to speak. God has given you the opportunity to be a great blessing, solve problems by His power. But uh, like Proverbs 17, 28 says, Even a fool when he holdeth his peace is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. And it's true, you know, some people seem to be very wise just simply because they listen and don't say anything. Now, again, got to keep that in balance. So, we need to make the choice. It's our choice. You say, Pastor, I just have a, a problem with this. Well, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And let me say, too, if you do say something negative about somebody else that is hurtful, and you've hurt their reputation by what you said, positive or true or not true, doesn't matter. They weren't supposed to hear it. You ought to make a life uh, commitment that I will go and apologize to both the person that I offended and the person that I said something to. If you follow through on that, that will create, you will begin to get sick and tired of that, okay? And you will start having victory because you don't want to keep doing that. So uh, one, one or two times of that and you will be a woman of integrity in the matter of the tongue.